episode 54 of the Late Night Vision Show. Y'all, welcome back. We're glad to have you. Uh, as always, I'm glad to have my good buddy Jason uh, from Outdoor, the owner of Outdoor Legacy Gear. How you doing, bud? Man, I'm doing great. How are you tonight, Hans? We have not talked about the fact that we have new intro music. I mean, it's been a whole year. We hadn't even mentioned it yet, but I know everybody knows this because they, they listen uh, and they watch on YouTube, but we That's have right. new intro music. And it when, sounds when, awesome. When did we debut that for the, I think it was on the one year anniversary. We didn't even was, talk about yeah. it. Yeah, we did. It was two weeks ago. And, uh, I, you know, anytime we want to make a change to anything like this, it takes you and I forever to decide on it. But I think you asked me on the third episode if you could, if I could find some new music and, uh, it took about 49 more, but I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I tell you what, it is, uh, I've gotten a lot of compliments on that and they're like, man, that sounds, that sounds like, uh, some good Texas country, Southern rock That's music. Right. So, uh, we will try not to wait another 52 episodes to get that changed out. No, no promises, uh, no promises, no promises at all. Well, thank you all for joining us again this week. We've got a, a very uh, interesting topic. You know, we're going to take it kind of back to the basics with the thermals. Uh, Jason, as you know, a lot of people are calling you on a daily basis, talking about, uh, their step into thermal for the first time, what to do, what to look for. And they really seem to get confused around a lot of terms that are being thrown around. And, and uh, it is hard to understand, and it is complicated at times. It is, and I think that we're going to jump into this topic. Uh, I think this is something that hopefully will help a lot of people. It is something that, that I know we both get asked from time to time. Well, I'll say from time to time, very often, almost oh, daily right. on the phone, uh, you know, talking to people again about their first time uh, considering thermal optics. There's not quite as much confusion around uh, digital night vision optics. There's not quite as many terms to be thrown around. And so we're not trying to single out uh, just the thermal guys, but there is uh, it is a lot of confusion here. So we're just going to kind of go over some of the basics and explain them and what these terms mean. And I know that a lot of people won't probably admit it, but there's probably a lot of guys that use thermal and have owned thermal for a long time and maybe don't quite understand these things. And what we're here to do today is to not give you the textbook answer that you could go look up on your own and probably wouldn't understand. We're here to break it down for you in the Hans and Jason backwoods, <laughs> East Texas, redneck Southern boy way of understanding it. You know, uh, maybe that's called layman's terms everywhere else, but well, we, you're you going to have to, you're going to have to write it out for me in crayons. Then I know that's right. I'll, I'll get some, I'll get you some crayons and a coloring book. <laughs> But no, so we're going to, let's just jump into some of these different terms and topics and we're going to kind of uh, flesh some of these out. And I think when we get, uh, we'll see how this lays out. We may do it as we go, or maybe when we get towards the end, we'll yep. be able to come in here and kind of explain how these different things work together. So uh, I am going to jump right in and let's talk about the resolution and uh, every time you know you look up any thermal scope, uh, you know if you look it up on a, a product page on like Outdoor Legacy Gear, or uh, you know you listen to our reviews or somebody else's, they talk about the resolution. Mm -hmm. So let's just define here. Uh, there's two basic different resolutions, and you've got what I call standard resolution, and that's going to be anything in the 300 range on the wide side, the horizontal side. And then you've got what I call high resolution, and that's going to be 640 by 480. 
And currently on the consumer thermal market, there is no thermal core that has a resolution higher than 640 by 480. Now, before we jump into this anymore, I want to say the thermal core, let's explain quickly what that is. That is actually the sensor that is in the scope that uh, is actually sensing that heat and, uh, you know, then transferring that image towards the display. So without getting more complicated, we can just call it an image sensor. And that's the brain. That's the most important thing. It's a very expensive component. And that is uh, really where the whole scope is built around is that thermal core. So 640 well, by 480 so, is high resolution. Go ahead, Hans. So I, I feel like there a lot of people understand and uh, know what resolution means. I think they feel like they, they hear it a lot in their daily lives, whether it right. be people talking about uh, when they go buy a new TV, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, resolution 1080p or, or what, you know, the right. on their iPads or they hear that a lot with a lot of electronics. Um, I think the, the question uh, is, why in and I'm man, I'm gonna tell you what, I'm gonna knock your train right off the tracks oh, no. <laughs> the whole show. Oh, I'm no. laying I'm laying traps the whole time. But I'm asking, you know, why is and and we may not know this, but uh <laughs> is there never a point where we could get to a ten eighty thermal uh resolution scope? Or are we stuck, you know, right now six forty is the best. Uh can we get any higher than that? You have taken my train and you have put a you have put a sidetrack right <laughs> right right where I was headed somewhere else. Good. But okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm I'm gonna come back and answer that. We're gonna circle back and I'm gonna answer that in just a minute. Let's that is a very good question. So let's go back and talk about these two two resolutions that we have now, and then we'll talk about the future. So I don't think there's a whole lot to say about 640 by 480. It is what it is. It's the highest resolution that you can get in a thermal scope right now on the consumer market uh, in the hunting world. So it is what it is. Um, And then if you go down, you've got a lot of different options. You've got, uh, say, the new Pulsar, uh, their new thermal core. Uh, that's that's going to be, well, it's out in the Axions. We'll be coming out in the Thermions. It's going to be a 320 by 240 pixels. Then currently the Pulsars are at 384 by 288 pixels. FLIRs are at a 320 by 256. So you can see all those are very similar. A little bit of difference on the horizontal and the vertical resolution, but but really close. And you know, again, we're going to get into a little bit later on about, you know, is there really a difference in 384 and and 320? But with that said, the thing that I want you to understand is that when you hear these terms, it's the thermal core. Now, here's where a lot of people get confused. And I hear this on the phone sometimes is a guy will say, well, wait a minute. Uh, that scope's 1024 by 768. It says it right here. It says says that that's what the display is. Well, that is. That's the display. That's the screen. That's like your TV, okay? So you could have a 640 by 480 scope in in, or thermal core, let's say, in theory, and they could put a cheap, you know, low-end, tiny little resolution, say it's a 240 by 122, uh, you know, display. Well, you wouldn't get quality because you've got a a terrible, you know, screen that you're looking at. 
So that is why they put high-resolution displays most of the time where possible. Again, it's going to be normally somewhere around, uh, you know, a, a 968, a 978, a 1024, whatever. So don't get that confused. Yes, it is important, but most all of the current thermal scopes on the market and, and handhelds and that sort of thing are going to have a good display. Uh, and we can, we'll talk about the displays a little bit more in a minute if we get there. But so let's go back to, well, hang on before we do, let me just clear this up. What is the difference in a 320 or a 384 and a 640? It's simply like it sounds. It's more pixels. It's higher resolution. So what you're going to get, generally speaking, uh, assuming all of the things equal, is you're going to get a better image quality. A 640 is just going to be crisper and clearer because there are twice as many pixels as there is in a 320 by 240. So mm -hmm. no different than your TV. And, and now th it, there comes a point of diminishing returns. So we can take a TV as an example, and you may have a, a 1080p and somebody's got a 4k and you know you maybe i'm just talking out loud here because i don't have a big fancy tv like that but i know sometimes you get to the point where like i can't really tell that much of a difference uh that's not the case when you're dealing with something like 320 versus 640 there is an absolute noticeable difference and i know you'll agree with mm -hmm. that hans All right absolutely yeah so to the sidetrack that, that Hans mentioned, you know, why don't we have something above 640? Why don't we have a 1024 by 768 or something thermal core? The answer to that is, is that I think it's coming. Uh, it's coming down the road. The, the problem has been in the past that those thermal cores were just too large to put into a thermal scope, um, also very expensive, but they were just big thermal cores. Mm -hmm. And I, from what I'm understanding, some of the thermal manufacturers uh, are working on some cores and getting them in that smaller size. And I have heard a few things that, you know, speculation from some of the manufacturers, I think it's coming. I think it's coming sooner than later. Um, I don't know that it'll be next year. I don't know that 2020 is the year for it, uh, but I, I will be very surprised in the next, I mean, I don't know, one to three years, you know, two or three years, if we don't see a 1024, uh, I'll be kind of surprised. I really <laughs> think it's it's coming. I, I don't know. That's that's crystal ball in it, but but that's my guess, so. Right. Uh, it'll be interesting when we do or if we do for sure. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Moving along, I, I do want to talk about the different types of displays. You'll hear this a lot. You'll hear uh, it's got an OLED. A lot of times we call that an OLED display or an AM OLED, A-M-O-L-E-D. Uh, you'll hear LCOS. That's liquid crystal over silicone. A uh, FLIR has an FLCOS. I don't know exactly what the F stands for. Uh, then there's LCD. Those are the, the basic and most common uh, displays that you're going to find. Now, again, the display, that is what your eye is actually looking at. That's the little screen inside the scope. Uh, anything right now in the OLED or the AM OLED, those are the, uh, the best, generally speaking. 
that is the, the newest technology. The AM OLED is what Pulsar uses, and that is a step forward from a standard uh, OLED. The uh, sometimes you'll find like these, these FLCOS that FLIR use are actually a higher resolution than these OLEDs. And so then you start getting into splitting hairs of, of which one is better because one's got higher resolution and one's a better technology. It's not a liquid crystal. So for whatever all that's worth, uh, it, it is, you, this is the basic. LCD is old. A true, just plain LCD. That that is that's going to be something that's in normally a three to four year old scope, and it will not be as good of an image produced on that screen as anything in the OLED or the the somewhat newer you know LCOS, liquid crystal over silicone. So that's just that's that. I, I, if you if you hear that and you hear OLED, just always know that that's that's going to be really good. That's going to be newer technology. Uh, moving along, we've got pixel pitch. Now, most people uh, don't know what pixel pitch is. A lot of people have never even heard of it. But what they have seen is they've seen or heard uh, guys like us talk about the microns. And we'll say, oh, it's 17 microns or it's 12 microns. And they'll go, what is that? And this is something that is confusing. So I'm going to explain it in the simplest way that I can. And my understanding of it is actually pretty simple too. I'm not a uh, I'm not an electronic engineer or anything, and that's obvious. I don't think anybody needed me to state that. But just in case you were were concerned, uh, so what this is is a micron is actually a micrometer. It is a measurement. Okay, so a micron isn't anything magical. It's it's like an, an inch or a centimeter. It's a it's a type of measurement. And sometimes you'll see this listed uh, with these funny little symbols that look kind of like a, a U and an M. Mm -hmm. And again, those are goofy little symbols, but that basically means the microns. And what that is measuring is what is called pixel pitch. And pixel pitch is simply this. It is the measurement from the center of one pixel to the center of the next door neighbor pixel. So if you take a, a, a uh, again, we're talking about the thermal core. So if you take a thermal core that is 640 by 480 and you take one pixel and you measure from it to, to from the center of it to the center of the next pixel, that gives you uh, that whatever that measurement is in microns is that's what we would say. It's 17 microns or 12 microns. So what that means in layman's terms is it's really measuring the distance or the space that's between those pixels. So the tighter and the closer that they are together, the better your image quality is going to be. So, um, for instance, you know, it wasn't just a few years ago, maybe three years ago, um, a lot of scopes were 25 microns. And so that's a big difference in 17 and 12 microns. Mm -hmm. and, and when we started seeing 17 microns, man, the image quality started getting better and better. And, you know, 12 microns is now it's what, you know, FLIR is, it's what Trigicon is, Envision. Um, again, Pulsar is going to that. So, you know, that is what it is. It's the measurement, basically, uh, of the space between the pixels. And the smaller the number, the better. Currently, uh, on the consumer market for thermal scopes and, and handhelds, 12 microns is as small as you're going to get. 
And the experts that are way smarter than me, they say that anything less than 12 microns is basically undetectable by the human eye. I don't know that for a fact. I've never looked at one that's smaller than 12, but I've had a lot of a lot of very smart people that have always confirmed. They've just said, hey, when you get into the tens, the nines, it really is not going to do you any good. It's not going to be a big difference. Now, hmm. I'm telling you that now. And in two years, when there's a a ten micron, we'll be ranting and raving about it. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I've I've been told. So that's what that is. It's it, the micron again is just a measurement, and all you need to know is that in today, 2019, 17 microns going down to 12 microns is the industry standard. I would. Yeah, I think. Well, I was going to say the nuke, uh, not the nuke. I'm jumping way ahead of you. The, the micron level is one thing that is uh, very, I, I think, confusing to most people because you always think the larger the number, the better. Right. Uh, and it's actually the the com- complete opposite with the micron. So, uh, you know, when you when they call in, they ask about you know the difference between 12 and 17 microns, and they say, well, yeah, but this one's got 17 microns, and well, actually, that's not as good as the, the 12. But, yeah, it is. It's switched around. It's reversed. Lower the number, the better the better the picture quality, uh, typically. So, Yeah, it, it is. Thing. And so, uh, again, this is what I tell people. You really don't have to know what it means. Just know that lower is better. Right. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with 17. Uh, again, we're going to 12. Uh, I think after all these new Thermions come out, uh, basically, most everybody, I don't know about 18, I don't know what they're running, but but everybody else, all the big players uh, of the, the good scopes in the market are all going to be running um, 12 microns mostly. That's going to be their main models. There will be some, obviously, at 17. So lower the number, the better, and that's all you need to, to worry about. Now, moving along, I want to talk about the nuke, and that is something that, that a lot of people call me that they buy a thermal scope from me. They've never used one, never looked through one. And it's something maybe we just, you know, didn't get to talk about on the phone or I forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. They'll get it and they'll call and they'll say, hey, something's wrong with my scope. Well, what's wrong with it? Man, I turn it on and it looks great. But about every 30 seconds or so, the screen locks up and it clicks and then it comes back and I don't yeah. know what's going on. Well, that is what we call the nuke NUC and yep. that is an acronym for some really big long words that I don't even remember <laughs> offhand. Right. I've never even tried to understand yeah, what it no, is, but no. so it's easier just to say nuke. It, exactly, say nuke. Other thing can be called is a thermal refresh. Um and what it is is this, and this is gonna be a cheesy way of explaining this, but uh again, it's the way that I can understand it. So if you take a thermal core and you know you're looking through your scope and you're looking through that core all the time it is there are little um artifacts and things that you are looking at and they're burning into that thermal core uh, temporarily okay it's not permanent but so if if you're looking at and this is one way you can see this if you turned the nuke off and you pointed your scope at a tree and you looked at that tree for 45 seconds or so didn't move it and then you look at something else, what you'll see is a ghosted image of that tree on your screen. You'll still see everything else, but it's kind of like, it's like it's something smeared in there between you and what you're seeing. You'll see a ghosted image of that tree. 
And that's because it is sat there and it has burned into that thermal core. And so what the refresh does or the nuke is it wipes it. And I like to think of it as kind of like when you were a kid and you had an Etch-A-Sketch and you would take that thing and draw all over it. And then you take it and shake it up and it's just, you know, clean magic. Same thing with the thermal core. It, it stops and a lot of times you can hear the audible click. The screen will lock up for a second and boom, it comes back and your screen is, is clear. Now, if the automatic nuke or automatic refresh is doing what it's supposed to do, you won't really notice that that image got any noticeably better. All right. But if you turn that refresh uh, to a, a mode where you're in charge of it, you have to press it, uh, press the button to make it do it. You will notice it because mm-hmm. now you're getting into, you know, you're going to be using it. And if you don't ever press it, it's going to get darker and darker as more little artifacts and things start burning in. And that image is really going to degrade. You press the, the refresh button, boom, it's going to lock up for one second. It's going to come right back. Um, now there's, there's different kinds of refreshes. Uh, I don't really want to get into all that, but generally speaking, uh, most scopes come set to automatic. And then you've got some thermal cores like the FLIR that they have a very quick, uh, refresh. It's something that, that you hardly even see. It's just a quick little flash. Uh, the Pulsar, they use a U-less core, which is a different brand core, and they take longer when they refresh it. You can, it's a click and yeah. it's, you know, three quarters of a second and then your screen comes back, you know, then, so everything locks up there. You can leave them in automatic mode and the optic will, you know, refresh whenever it senses that it needs it. Uh, if you set it into a semi-automatic or a manual mode, depending on what the manufacturer calls it, it, it really puts you in charge of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't not mention this here, but we need to talk about the fact that, uh, and this has been mentioned on this show and other places, but uh, scopes like the, the Trigicons and the Envisions, they have that they have a BAE, which is a brand thermal core. Those thermal cores have to be manually refreshed. They do not have an automatic refresh and it is an old style manual refresh where the lens cap has to go on. The the objective lens has to be completely covered and then you press a button and refresh it. And that has to be done every time that it's refreshed and it has to be done by the user. Uh, Sometimes like on the the Trigicons, it'll tell you, you know, n- n- what does it say? Nuke required, nuke necessary. Yeah, or some... message will pop up uh, and say, you know, that you need to nuke your scope on yep. the Envision. It doesn't say anything, but you can kind of see it gets a little grainy and it'll get some lines in the image. And that kind of lets you know that you need to, to nuke it. Now, the Pulsar is the manual nuke. If you put it in that mode is the same way. You got to close the lens cover. Um, yeah. But if it's in semi-automatic mode, all you got to do is push the button. You can leave the lens cope cover open that's the one that i typically leave it in uh because i have had that screen lock up in the middle of a shot on automatic before and that is that is not fun i leave mine on automatic most of the time um that is probably not common with the guys that that hunt as much as hans and i do most guys do go with a a semi-auto uh, and, and to be clear, that's a terrible name. It's really you and I would call it manual. I mean, because you're in charge, but you don't have to close the lens cap. 
right. and it nukes just fine. It, and what I'd tell people is when you first get the scope, if it's your first time using thermal or even maybe a brand new scope, if it's, and by the way, some scopes don't have that option. I mean, the FLIRs, you, you can't take them out of an automatic mode. Um, so, right. uh, but if you get a Pulsar or something, I would say leave it in automatic the, for, for starting out. My reasoning is you're just trying to figure out how to use the scope. Yeah. And that's just one more thing that you've got to think about and find the button in the dark. And so get used to the scope, figure out where all the buttons are then start worrying about nuking it and when to do it and all those sort of things. I mean, it, it is a good idea. Hans is right. Uh, but sometimes even for me, there's a lot of stuff going on when I'm hunting and it's kind of like, I don't want to have to think about it, but it is a pain if you start shooting and that thing refreshes. I right have, in the middle. Have, I it have. was just a, a terrible circumstance, uh, really an unfortunate event, but I was not paying attention to the, the cause it has a counter on the pulsar. It's going to let you, it lets you know when it's counting down to, to refresh. And I wasn't paying attention to that. I had a window of a shot, had to take it. And at the same time that I was about to pull the trigger, it locked up. And mm -hmm. then, you know, it takes a second to refresh. So, but and yeah, that I, second I, I feels agree. like 10 seconds, <laughs> it feels like, but I do agree with Jason. When you first get in a thermal, you first get your scope, leave it in automatic for a while uh, and, and get used to it. And then if you feel like you want to have a little bit more control over that process, switch it over to semi-automatic, but on the Pulsars, I, I don't, I never use the manual, which is the lens closed. Yeah, there's you know, no, no yourself. benefit. Right. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, so since we're talking about refresh, now this is a place that gets a lot of people confused is we talk about this and then we talk about the refresh rate, uh, mm. of, the scope and that is that's something totally different but you hear refresh and refresh so it can be confusing this has really become or has become less of an, an issue and a talking point um, just a couple years ago there was a lot of scopes that would be a 30 hertz refresh mm. or a 50 or 60 hertz refresh and you know you would to, to get a 60 hertz you paid a lot more money and if you still look at some of the older scopes that are out there for sale uh like the armasite zeus line you know FLIR is taking them over i think FLIR's calling them the FLIR zeus but those scopes are actually you know in technology years pretty old they're four to five years old at least and uh, they're showing their age because those scopes came in both 30 and 60 hertz and oftentimes to get a 60 hertz scope was a thousand dollar upgrade and right. now almost everything is 50 yeah. and 60 hertz now what right. that actually means that refresh it's the number of times that the image is displayed onto the screen that you're looking at per second so a 30 hertz refresh rate means that image is actually flashing on that screen you're looking at 30 times per second a 50 hertz is 50 times per second a 60 is 60 per second so what does that really mean in layman's terms to you honestly nothing now a lot of people would disagree with that and it used to be a, a, a you know big fights over 30 versus 60. generally speaking in my opinion if you, if I hand you a 30 Hertz scope and we're standing on the ground and you're hunting, uh, and it's a true 30 Hertz, you're going to have a hard time actually determining the difference in a 30 and a 60 because you can't move fast enough 
to see the difference. Now, if I put you in the back of a, a Jeep or a Polaris Ranger or something, and we take off and you're, you know, looking like driving down the road, that's when you'll start to see because the, the image is not refreshing on your screen fast enough. And so you'll start to get lag where you're moving too fast. And there, there are times, I mean, there are some certain situations where, you know, you might see that on the ground, but, but very rarely. In reality, at this day and age, it doesn't matter anymore. Almost everybody has gone to 60 hertz. Pulsar is at 50 hertz. That's just what uh, they run theirs at. And I can tell you this, there is a 0% chance that I can hand you a 50 hertz and a 60 hertz and you could tell me the difference. I, I'm going to say maybe if you're in a helicopter. I don't know because I haven't been in a helicopter with both of them and don't plan to. But you cannot tell the difference. So, so mm. 50, 60 hertz, it's all good. Uh, I just don't want people to get confused of what that is compared to like the thermal refresh. And again, all it is is it's the number of times the image is flashed on the screen per second. And uh, that that same thing is on TV screens. It's on computer screens. So it's it's you know we don't it's something that we come in contact with daily over and over and over, but we just don't really put any thought into. It's just something that works, and and we're not really aware much of it. Mm. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about the uh, lens size and quality and that sort of thing. Now, it doesn't get talked about enough, I think, but the lens size is important on thermal scopes. And it doesn't work in the same way that a lot of people expect it to coming from daytime optics. And what I mean is a lot of people would assume that... Um, a, a larger objective lens uh, on a scope, even if it has higher magnification, is automatically going to equal a wider field of view. And that's not true. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into that, but it's not an automatic. Let's just use a real world example of, say, the current Pulsar Trail XQ38. It has a 32 millimeter objective, it's a 2.1 power optical magnification. And it's got a 56-foot field of view at 110 yards. So I'm going to go over that real quick. 56-foot field of view, horizontal. 32-millimeter objective, 2.1 power. You go to the XQ50, it's big brother. It's got a 30, uh, no, I'm sorry, it's got a 42-millimeter objective. So it's, you know, larger, 42 millimeters. It's a 2.7 optical magnification, and it only has a 42-foot field of view at 110 yards. So the higher magnification takes the field of view down even when you go up in objective lens size unless you go way up and get something really big, you know, like a 75 millimeter, 100 millimeter. Uh, that's how you're going to get magnification as well as field of view. So I'm on a little bit of a, of a rabbit trail there, but I want to say this, that the objective lens is important. And Again, generally speaking, the larger the objective lens, the more that's going to help your image quality, assuming that it's a high quality objective lens. There is different qualities of these. These are not glass lenses. They're made out of germanium. And the reason for that is, is that uh, germanium does a very good job of transferring uh, the heat. 
Uh, glass does not. It is not a good heat transfer. So the germanium does, and it transfers that heat that it sees to the thermal core. So germanium is a very expensive material, and there's different grades of these lenses. And what you'll find is if you look down like at, say, the, the Envisions and the Trigicons, a lot of those have 25-millimeter objective lenses, but they still have the best image quality on the market. Well, there's a lot of other things at play there, but part of it is that is a very high-quality piece of germanium. Okay, and so just because something's got a 50 millimeter or a 75 millimeter uh, objective lens, that doesn't automatically mean it's better than an objective lens. It's just a little bit smaller. Um, you know, you could say one's got a 75 and one's got a 50. Well, a 75 is obviously better. Not necessarily. Uh, you can't take it just at that face value. Uh, it may come down to actually putting those optics side by side and looking because there are other things that can come into play there and affect that image quality, but the germanium lens is one of them. So uh, without getting off deep in that, I would just say uh, you need to be conscious of that because uh, unless you're talking about these super high-end Cadillacs like the Trigicons and the Envision, objective lens size is, uh, you know, somewhat of an important factor. Uh, so just that's something else that, that can be discussed when you're looking for a scope. Uh, the very last thing that, and I know we've, we've rambled on and I've talked a whole bunch and Hans hadn't got to say much because I've just been trying to, to shove through this, but the last thing I want to talk about that does affect uh, the image quality is something that no one ever talks about, and it's nothing that you can really measure or find out about before uh, you buy the scope without, you know, just talking to somebody who's used it. But that's the eyepiece quality, and that's something that there's three, there's three main expensive things on a thermal scope, and that is the thermal core. It's the germanium lens, and it's the eyepiece. Nobody ever talks about the eyepiece. But if something has to be skimped somewhere to get the price point down, a lot of times that eyepiece is a place to do it. And so they can put a less expensive or less quality piece of glass there, which thus, honestly, I mean, degrades the image quality you're going to see because, you know, you're looking through a lesser piece of glass there, and it's not like any kind of a cheap, dirty trick. It's just a way you got to save money somewhere. And the thermal core has pretty much a set cost. And, you know, germanium is expensive. So if you got to do it somewhere, a lot of times that's where it's going to be. The other thing you'll see a lot of times on scopes like the FLIR PTS-233 and the Pulsar RXQ-30V, you'll see that they have a fixed focus on the objective lens. That is another place to, to save money. But I just wanted to throw out that we never mention it, but the, <coughs> excuse me, the eyepiece is an important uh, piece of the equation. So that's basically uh, a, a rough redneck explanation of all these different terms that you're going to come in contact to. I think we could take every one of those and we could flesh them out some more and we could talk about them. What I really wanted to do, probably not going to do it on this episode just because of time. We might get into it on another show is how these things all play together. And, it, you know, 
if you have two 320 by 240, 12 microns, you know, optics side by side, do they, you know, image quality have to be equal? What can change? What can make one better than the other? And again, there, there'd be a, a lot of discussions we could get into and even uh, make some side by side comparisons of some scopes that, that I can think of that, you know, and how does magnification play into all that? But I think that's going to be another topic for another podcast episode. Well, my goodness, I can't. <laughs> go take you a drink of water real quick. I, I am. I'm out of water over here. My, my, my Yeti cup is, is empty. I am. Whew, I'm out that of breath. That is a lot. Uh, you know, our resident Bill Nye, the science guy, Mr. Jason Robertson. Thank oh you my for gosh. Discussing all Isn't that. Bill, hey, wait a minute. Isn't Bill Nye a flaming liberal that thinks that the world's going to burn up if we don't kill all the cows? I mean, I think yeah. don't, don't yeah. compare me to that guy. I mean, my, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're the, the very conservative version of him. Thank you. The, the night vision thermal world thank so, you my, but no that is that's a lot to get through but you know really is just trying to make uh just trying to break some of these these terms these thermal terms that are thrown around a lot break them down to the smallest common denominator and the easiest to understand uh you know that's really just being the first part of the buying process is understanding what what you're hearing what you're seeing what you're reading and being able to translate that and make the best decision on when you're trying to buy a thermal scope. So yeah. I really, yeah, appreciate yeah, I all wanna, that explanation. I want to say this about it. Um, I own a three-quarter ton GMC four-wheel drive pickup truck, and when I open the hood, that is absolutely uh that is just all greek and black magic to me i do not understand much about the combustion engine i don't understand the electronics i don't you know what all i care is that when i crank it it goes and everything's great so you can be the same way about a thermal scope don't feel like oh i've got to go write notes and study all this you don't what you need is you need a good honest reputable dealer who understands these things and is going to be able to, uh, you know, point you in the right scope that's got the right features for you without even sometimes talking about all these. A lot of these are just things that they don't even need to be discussed. And they're scopes that I know are deficient in some areas. And I just, I don't even bring them up. I wouldn't recommend that scope to you. Now I might yeah. bring it up if, if you brought that scope up and said, Hey, what about this one? But sometimes it's easier just to not mention it at all. And so the point is, don't feel like you've got to know how to take a thermal scope apart, work on it, and know what all this stuff means. Just make sure that, you know, if you call somebody like Hans or I, we're going to be able to help you. We're going to be able to walk you through this process and take, well, that's the, the motto that, that, you know, we've been saying, and it's on my voicemail when you call. We try to take the confusion out of night vision and thermal optics. And that's what we're trying to do with this for the people who do want to understand, but don't get bogged down in it because call us, we'll walk you through it. And once you get your scope, it doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. As long as it fires up when you press the button and you can go, you know, shoot some coyotes and hogs, then who cares? And that's the same exactly. way I feel about my pickup truck. Well, I'd like to talk uh, real briefly about a couple things that we have in up, have coming up and talking about pulling the trigger and making something go bang. Uh, we very soon, we're going to have on uh, a gentleman by the name of Cody. And Cody is the head gunsmith over at Diamondback Firearms. He's going to be an interview for us coming up. I don't know if it's going to be in the next couple of weeks or so. We're definitely going to have him on the show. We don't have a point pinpointed the exact show yet. We're in the process of doing that interview. But I'm excited about having Cody on from Diamondback Firearms. I think it's going to be, a, you know, this is our, 
our first show that we've had a gun manufacturer on and what a great one to start out with because I agree. Uh, they're they're big fans of the show they're supporters of the show and and really big supporters of the hog and coyote hunting community so well, we're excited I've, about having them on i've actually got my eye on a, a couple of rifles yeah. there so i need to talk to cody and and yeah. talk to him and and see uh you know what it would take for me to to maybe buy a rifle or two because i was perusing their website and i was yeah. like oh man i'm getting the they itch they got a 13 and a half inch and Cody was telling me about it on the phone, a 13 and a half inch AR 10, 308, all black and looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, they, y'all need to go check them out. Uh, diamondbackfirearms.com. They've got some great hog hunting rifles, some really pretty stuff. And, you know, I th- they were talking about in some of their posts that they put, you know, these are rifles for the blue collar people out there the the hard-working people out there that don't have three and four thousand dollars to throw around on a rifle you know these are uh rifles that are are good good prices you know you know fair prices and they work they are i mean I'm, i i've got a six five creedmoor diamondback i've had it for several months i've never cleaned it and I've wait shot, a minute you've got I a should. bunch of diamondbacks and as far as i know you've never cleaned an ar-15 that you own yet i mean <laughs> it's, i know i hate cleaning them i hate cleaning them so i've had the six five creedmoor that i've had i've had for several months shot a bunch of hogs and cows with it have not cleaned it once and i'm going to talk to him and ask him about it on the show when we get him on here so we will be having and and talking about two guys we we love hunting we love rifles and all that stuff but i don't think jason and you can agree with me or disagree with i agree me. we are yeah we are not over overly technical when it comes to rifles and that kind of no. stuff we love guns um we're but, not gun uh, guys but by that de- yeah. by definition yeah we love rifles i've got i love to buy them i love to shoot them uh, but as for like reloading and talking about calibers yeah. and i'm not a gun guy in that yeah that's not when my people, when people ask me, I tell them, you know, I'm, I'm not really a gun guy. I, I have lots of them. Um, I like to shoot them, but to me, they're tools and they're not trophies or anything like that. They get used and abused and scratched up and torn apart. And, you know, so, but, uh, we're I'm looking forward to have Cody on because I, there are some questions that I'd like to ask him. And, and I know they want to talk about some stuff that, that they have going on. Also, you and I are going to be hunting together in the next uh, next week. We've got our, you know, our, we do these quite often, but we're going to have another, I, I don't want to say hog hunt because it's probably anything that probably walks out is going to get something. Yeah, right. and, and I was actually, uh, I, I was checking on some of the properties that I've got to hunt around here and, you know, calling a couple guys and, and everybody said, you know, hey, we've got some hogs, but gosh, I've been seeing coyotes. I've been saying, I know you're after hogs and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We got, we got the convergent bullet HP and the new sidewinder. We are, uh, we're definitely not going to discriminate against a coyote. So I've got a feeling we're going to be doing some coyote calling, uh, next week when, when you come down. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, we'll, well, like I said, we're not going to label what kind of hunt it is. It's basically whatever, uh, walks out in front that's legal that's right that's right that's <laughs> uh, we it. some itchy trigger fingers uh the hog hunting has been good actually uh i before we started i was late to start to uh record the podcast because i had a group of hogs on camera that i had to go shoot i was not going to let them go because it was a camera that i haven't seen hogs on in months 
and uh, there was 10 hogs there and uh, was able, fortunate enough to get some of them. And so, yeah, it's been a well, good night so I far. I will say that this afternoon after work, the uh, I loaded up my, uh, my four-year-old on the Ranger and uh, got a bunch of stuff, and I went down, and I've got ryegrass in my pasture that's three foot tall. My cows can't get it beat, beat down or eat down. And I went down there and uh, mowed out a big area and put up barbed wire and put out the pig pipe. So I've uh, I've got that thing out and I'm ready to to I've got I got to do that because my grass is so tall right now I cannot see them. So I've got to get someplace that I can know where they're at and you know be able to go down there and hopefully get a shot at them. So yep, pig pipes out and. And, uh, folks, listen, we, we hope you enjoyed this show. And, uh, again, I hope you learned a little bit of something, uh, from a couple backwoods, East Texas boys, and, and maybe, maybe some of this makes a little more sense to you, but if not, uh, you know, again, reach out to us and, and we'll be glad to, to help you and make any, uh, you know, observations and, and recommendations that we can when you get ready to buy a thermal scope, uh, or any other kind of night vision, Listen, thanks for checking out the Late Night Vision Show. You can find uh, find us on any podcast app. You can find us on YouTube. You can subscribe there. Also, thelatenightvisionshow.com, just what our name is, thelatenightvisionshow.com. You can go there. You can catch all the latest episodes. You can find out, you know, can read up on Hans and I. You can uh, find all our social media accounts, which, you know, obviously are YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. And so we'd really appreciate if you go check us out there. And we just thank you all for watching the show every week. Yeah, definitely. Thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, like Jason said, go check us out on the socials uh, on YouTube. You know, you can find Outdoor Legacy Gear on YouTube. Uh, you can find uh, him on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find me on YouTube at Hans ETX. That's H-A-N-S-E-T-X. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram. Please, uh, you know, if you want to call us, leave a voicemail, text us a picture of a hog or coyote kill, you can do that at 903-844, I'm sorry, 833-4461. I knew there was a couple of four fours and three threes in there. Yeah, and that's uh, and only I'll, to leave messages for like feedback on the show, whatever. Nobody's right. going to answer it and we're not going to no. call you back or it's just an un, unmanned right. phone number. And please, uh, we are always searching and brainstorming for different topics. You can email us topic suggestions at the late night vision show at gmail.com. That's the late night vision show at gmail.com. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us this week. We'll see y'all next week. Uh, stay tuned because we're going to give you some updates on, on what the, uh, our, our hunt together was. And also again, we've got the diamondback firearms interview. We'll see y'all soon. Y'all take care, stay safe in the fields and keep making them bacon pancakes.